and welcome to episode 70 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to debate whether the second word was up or cup. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about game names. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like Ghost Stories and The Potion. Then, we talk about how board games are named and some of our favorite game names. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. As some of you might have noticed in the intro, my voice probably sounds a little bit weird today. I have been uh, struggling with a cold, so I apologize in advance if my voice gets weird or deep or squeaky. It's been going all over the place. <laughs> I tried to hold it together for the intro, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just odd. So sorry you get to listen to weird cold voice Crystal today. Also, those of you who have been listening for the past couple of years know that every year we do the Blitzy Awards. These are our yearly awards that don't technically mean anything, but it's our our favorites in games from the past calendar year. And we usually do that around this time of year, but we kind of usually try to give it a few weeks after the end of the calendar year. So we have a little bit of a chance to play some more games from the year. Because you know what? We have not played all the games that came out in 2018. We're never going to. We never to, will, yeah. <laughs> but at least we'll have a chance to play a few more. Um, but yes, the Blitzies are coming up soon. And we may even have some opportunities for our listeners to chime in uh, for the Blitzy Awards. So if you are not following us on social media, make sure you are. Because you will hear all about that on Facebook, Twitter, our Board Game Geek Guild, all the usual places. Um, but we may not be talking about it in another episode until the Blitzies happen. So if you want to make your voice heard for the 2018 Blitzies, make sure you're following us on social media. Over the holidays, I got to play Ghost Stories with my family. Ghost Stories is a cooperative board game published in 2008, designed by Antoine Bauza and published by Repost Production. It's cooperative, one to four players, and it says 60 minutes. It took us less time because we died pretty quickly. <laughs> I think that's, that happens a lot in Ghost Stories. <laughs> but I think other games that we've played have taken around that time. So in Ghost Stories, you're trying to protect a town that's made up of a grid of tiles. There's a three by three grid, so nine tiles, and each tile is a different location in the town, and it also gives you an action when you go there. You're trying to protect them from these ghosts, which is a deck of cards, and then at the near the end of the deck of cards, there's a boss ghost that you need to defeat in order to win the game. So on your turn, you move to a space of the town and then either do the action or try to exercise the ghost that's near that space by rolling dice. So the actions do things like heal you or power you up, give you tokens to help exercise the ghosts, and characters have special powers too. Also on your turn, ghosts come out. So you flip the ghost from the card deck and then put it somewhere that's next to the locations. And it takes a lot of effort to get rid of them because you either do an action or try to get rid of the ghost on your turn. And then new ghosts come out each turn, so there's not enough turns to get rid of them all. And especially if you have bad rolls, if you try to get rid of them and then roll badly, then you didn't do anything on your turn. And in, in the game we played... We uh, had pretty bad rolls at the beginning, and we didn't get rid of any of the ghosts for, like, eight turns or something, which was really oh, bad. <laughs> that, that'll, that'll do you in pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, so we died after about half of the deck ran out. We also were playing on normal difficulty instead of the initiate difficulty. There's four difficulty levels, like initiate, normal, hard, and really hard or something. I forget what they're called. 
We've played the game seven times and beaten it once. It's one of the toughest cooperative games in terms of winning ratio, I guess, that I've played. I was actually looking up the win rate and and the mind is also up there with uh, low win rate. <laughs> but Ghost, Ghost Stories is is pretty tough. Usually it's closer though. We usually get back to the um, bad guy and it's really close and then we die because the bad ghost is a lot harder than the other ghosts. But it's pretty fun. Um, it's an older cooperative game and it, it has similar things to older games where you know what's happening and so there could be a quarterbacking player. It, it, there's, it could suffer from that. So if, if you have a group where there's a quarterbacker, then you might not want to play it. But if you have a group where you don't worry about people quarterbacking because everyone discusses together, then it's a it's a fun cooperative game, I think. And that's Ghost Stories. Yeah, I, I can't believe it's eleven years old now. <laughs> I haven't I haven't played oh, it. Yeah, in it's twenty nineteen now. <laughs> yeah. Um I it's weird. I don't dislike ghost stories. And I've had I've enjoyed it when I've played it. I think I've only played it maybe two or three times ever. But like I have no inclination to play it. Like, even though I didn't dislike it, I don't know. I feel like I, I for my for me, for cooperative games, I don't want them to be easy, but I need them to be slightly more winnable than ghost <laughs> stories. Like, it kind of feels like an exercise in futility to some degree. Uh, but that also makes it feel like a really nice challenge if that's something that people mm-hmm. are looking for. Uh, but yeah, basically every turn you're like, no, more <laughs> ghosts. <laughs> yeah. And well, I think that our game here was very irregular because in the other games that I remember playing it was a lot closer so it felt like we could win each time in, <laughs> in until you get games. destroyed yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe we had played all the previous games on the beginner level though so I'm, I'm oh, not, maybe. I don't remember because I didn't note down what it was and it was a long time ago because we hadn't played in like four years or something it, it's yeah. been a while it feels like it's been that long for me too mm-hmm. yeah I it I don't know, like, I just remember kind of what you were saying, like, if you roll bad, even once, it almost feels like you kind of dig yourself into a hole that's really hard to get out of. Mm-hmm. But, but luckily, yeah. you don't have to kill all the ghosts, just the last one. It helps yeah, you if just you have kill to survive. Them. Yeah, you just have to survive. <laughs> cool. So that was ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, Nicole Hoy from the Great Way Games podcast, introduced the game to me at BGG Con back in November. Um, it was one that she was carrying around called The Potion. And uh, after she introduced it to me, I bought a copy of it for myself. And I took it to Kansas City with me when I visited my family over the holidays. Um, and I've also played it with my game group now as well. The Potion comes in what looks like a little like medicine, like a pill bottle. It has a screw off top, just like a normal bottle would. And then inside of it are three dice and a whole bunch of little plastic pieces. And the plastic pieces are one of three ingredients. There's a mushroom, there's a vial, and there's a little bug. So all the pieces are one of those three components. Everyone starts the game with two of each type of ingredient. So they have a total of six tokens in their hand to start the game. And you roll the three dice, and the dice will show uh, some combination of the different ingredients, so in different quantities. So it might show three mushrooms and two beetles. Then all of the players secretly take one token from their hand, put it into their other hand, and hold it out. 
And then at the same time, everyone reveals the single token in their hand. If any of the conditions of the die faces are met exactly. So for instance, if one of the die had three mushrooms on it, and when everyone revealed their tokens, exactly three mushrooms had been revealed, no more and no less, then those tokens get discarded into the bottle. But if none of the die faces conditions were met exactly, so let's say there were only two mushrooms present and there was only one beetle, then anyone who played an ingredient that wasn't displayed on any of the dice gets to discard their token. So you're basically betting on the fact that the conditions won't be met. The game continues, just roll the dice, do that over and over again until one player has only one type of ingredient left in their hand. Uh, and I taught this game wrong one of the times I taught it. Um, and we were trying to play till someone had no tokens left in their hand. And we realized that we hit a stalemate at one point. So I should have realized at that point that I had played it wrong because it was not, that was, it's not supposed to end in a stalemate. It's very simple. The little potion bottle is cute. The tokens and dice are plastic. So this is a great restaurant game uh, because no damage can be done that I can see to these pieces, you know, based on like, oh, if somebody spilled their water or if you accidentally dropped it in your spaghetti, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> I don't you know why spaghetti. You accidentally eat it though because... I mean, oh yeah, don't put, your, <laughs> like... don't put your mushroom token on your spaghetti because then you might eat it. <laughs> but yeah, like, I think this one is a nice little one. To, like I put it in my quiver along with some of the decks of cards and other things like that. Um, it's portable. It's fun. It's very quick to play. Uh, I liked it quite a bit, and I was glad that Nicole introduced it to me, and I got a copy of it on my own. So this is one I would definitely recommend, and that is The Potion. A few weeks ago, I created a survey online, and I solicited some responses from people on Twitter. I wanted to hear from people who work in the board game industry about how board games get their names. And I already had some ideas and notions about how this went about or how it happened, but since I'm not in the board game industry, um, I kind of just wanted to get some information from some people who were. And we got um, not quite as many responses as I was hoping for, but we did get 15 responses. So if you are one of the people who filled out our survey, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, and we got some really interesting information out of it. So when it comes to board games, Ambie, how important to you is the name of a game? Me personally, the importance for me is being able to search for it, which um, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at searching now for board games. So, so it's not as important as it used to be, but I think it's important just in general for the game to have a good name to attract people to it. So when you say a good name, what, like, I obviously, here, well, we'll preface this discussion with, we're going to share some thoughts that we got from people in the survey, but for the most part, everything else that we're going to say during this episode is our opinions on what is good, what is bad, that kind yeah. of stuff. So obviously, Ambie and I do not speak for everyone, um, but we have our own ideas about you know, what makes a good name, what makes a bad name. So just take everything we say generally here, not as fact. I mean, we don't have anything that are facts. We have some <laughs> survey responses, but that's not even, it's a very small grouping of information. So, yeah. but yeah. So what in your mind, what makes a good board game name? So most of the times I don't think that much about the game name, but if it has something that stands out or something that's funny, then it stays in my mind more, which I guess makes it good because then I'm thinking about the game more. So you like something that's memorable for some yeah, reason, memorable. whether that's a f humor or something else. Mm -hmm. 
So <laughs> I, I know some examples of bad game names that I don't like. So without giving specific examples yet, what do you think factors into a bad board game name? So I think something that would be bad is something that's harder to search for on Google or something that already has another board game, like using the same name as another game that already exists. Yeah, because um, even if it's a really old one, that still yeah. doesn't like do you any favors. Yeah. Also, g- games that are, I guess, names that are misleading. If it gives you an image of something that's completely different from the game, that could be bad. So if there's a disconnect between the name and yeah. the game itself. Yeah, although I can't think of any examples of that. A lot of times the board game names are, they, they don't make me think of a specific mechanism or anything. Oh, okay. For me. Well, and that's that's actually interesting because one of the factors that came up multiple times in our survey as a reason for why some board games got their names mm-hmm. was the mechanisms that are at work in the game itself. Some of the board game designers that answered our survey did say that they um, specifically chose names based on the game's mechanisms, one of which <laughs> um, the designer of Sunday Split commented and said because the game had an I split you choose mechanism oh the game was originally called banana split but they said specifically that uh oh there was an older game named banana split already and they didn't want to uh the publisher didn't want to publish something under the same name as an older game so they changed it to (laughs) sunday split and it's about making banana splits so i i like it because they they've used the theme and the mechanisms and Mm -hmm. picked something fun and cheerful so I think that that's yeah. that really neat. Yeah, I think that's cool too. But I, I think that most of the time I don't think of that when I first hear the name of the game. I don't think that that's going to be an I split you choose game like right away. But then after I read about the game, then it's like, oh, that's cool. Right. <laughs> I, I, I think that that applies to a bunch of games yeah. where like the name makes sense, but only with context. Mm-hmm. So like... Uh, Sushi Go, I think, is a great example of that. Like, sushi conveyor belts are a thing that exists that people know about. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you just hear Sushi Go, like, my mind doesn't instantly go to, oh, a, a conveyor belt with sushi on it. It's like, oh, Sushi Go. Like, what does that mean? But then once you play the game, you're like, oh, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another game name that makes sense is Rolling Stock, which I actually talked to the designer of Rolling Stock uh, a couple years ago. And he was saying that it's actually a pun because Rolling Stock is the name of a train, like the the car on a train, I think. But also Rolling Stock is a stock game that's kind of like an 18xx game, but it's very stock based. And when you sell shares, they, they roll down and it's like the Rolling Stock. So it's like a pun. <laughs> that kind of makes sense if you know the game. <laughs> Which is, yeah, it's funny because like it's a pun, but it's a pun that almost no one would get. <laughs> I know, like I didn't know it until, like I didn't know that was what the thing was called. But if I just search Rolling Stock on Google, it has like the definition, locomotives, uh, wagons used on a railroad. <laughs> so I, I didn't know that. So some other ways that the people that answered our survey said that they name games, a whole bunch of them mentioned that brainstorming was at play here. And I think that that is going to be the case for anything. Like I consider the name of a game to be somewhat marketing related. Obviously Mm -hmm. it's not the marketing for a specific game, but when you see something on a shelf, its name is what's marketing the game to you in that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And I work in marketing and I know that brainstorming is a big part of coming up with just about anything uh, used in marketing. 
We already mentioned using mechanisms as inspiration and the theme. Um, a few people mentioned that they like alliteration. And I've seen that in a bunch of games as well. People's brains like alliteration. So it makes sense that people would want names that sound pleasing to the human ear. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people mentioned that they were just trying to pick something that doesn't already exist and it can be protected legally. And I think that that's a smart <laughs> plan as well. And then something okay. you mentioned that I don't think anyone in our survey mentioned specifically was it's Googleability. And I yeah. just made that up. I don't know if that's a real word. But yeah, like as I'll spoil one of the uh, games in our uh, worst games worst board game names list that we'll be talking about here in a few minutes but a lot of people mentioned the game as a horribly named board game and that yes. is accurate i think as soon as that was like released i was kind of like aghast i was like yeah somebody had to have actively chosen to do that and you can't google that game like even if you google the game card game or the yeah. game board game like you still it's so hard to find yeah and like and like i usually search games on board game geek and then if you search the whole title of the name it'll usually show up in at least the first two or three the game is like the 12th one down if you search that yeah <laughs> i just i i know that somebody had to make that call like even if some you know what? I'm a copywriter. I suggest bad ideas all the time. But you eventually land on an okay idea. You get rid of the bad ones. You don't stick with the bad ones. I don't like to judge people, but truthfully, it's just a horrific name for a board game. Yeah. But yeah, going back to the marketing, one example that I was thinking of is Twilight Struggle, which is a very popular board game. But there's also a game called 1960 Making of the President, which I've heard is similar to Twilight Struggle. They have similar play styles. They're both like card-driven two-player games. And I think they're designed by, I think one of the designers is the same and they're published by the same company. So, but Twilight Struggle is a lot more popular. It, it was number one on BGG for a long time. And 1960 Making of the President, I only hear it sometimes and it's, I always hear it with Twilight Struggle. So I think part of that might be the name. Twilight Struggle just sounds more appealing to me than 1960 Making of the President because it's shorter, easier to remember. It sounds more catchy, I think. Yeah, it sounds more epic. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about 1960 Making of a President. Like mm -hmm. as far as the game goes, yeah. I've only heard people say good things about it. But I just haven't heard it as much. Yeah, yeah definitely not as much. <laughs> there are also some games that are named for kind of weird reasons. So the key series, I think, falls into this, where you've got Keyflower and Keeper, which mm -hmm. that's the one I've played is Keeper, and it's K-E-Y-P-E-R, and that's just the silliest naming mechanism. Uh, and it was really funny because people then were joking when Key Forge came out earlier in, uh, or in 2018, people were like, oh, but that's not from the same designer as the Key series. So yeah, when you hear the, the key word, you think of Richard Brees and the key series of games, but Key Forge was not designed by him. And he doesn't have, he doesn't own the word key. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike Apple, who owns like the lowercase i in front of words. Like, I think they've actually trademarked that or something at this point. So I other people know. can't have i something. <laughs> I will admit, I'm, I'm a sucker for games where the theme is evoked through the name of the game. So those, those ones tend to be the ones that pique my interest more than anything else. Yeah. It's a lot easier to convey theme through a name than mechanics. <laughs> I think that's accurate. 
one other designer who names games based on his pre- previous titles is Friedman Freeze. Yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> his initials are FF, and every single game that he releases, at least to my knowledge, I guess there could be outliers that I don't know about, but his major titles, the games all start with the letter F. That, I feel, is definitely more sustainable or better than the key thing, because he still tries to pick words that fit his games. Now, admittedly, some of the titles get a little bit weird, like Flea (laughs) Um, or Friday, but like they all start with the letter F. And I think that's kind of an interesting little niche that he's carved out for himself. Power Grid is the only one that I know of that's not F. Oh yeah, I forgot that that is him. Yeah. (laughs) See, you don't associate it with the other ones. Okay, so yeah, that's, so what would we call Power Grid if we had to, if it had to start with- Factory. Factory. Or factories? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, well, but a factory isn't really like, so if it's about it's electricity like specifically, yeah. Fritz, Fritz factory. Power yeah. <laughs> Grid is a better name, I think. Yeah, it is. It's a better name. We, uh, I know I said I work in marketing, but uh, I'm not using those skills right now for the record. I'm really good at naming things, I promise. It's interesting because the, the name of a game is important, but there are other factors at play that affect it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, the graphic design or font that you choose to display your game name on a box can actually cause controversy. <laughs> As I alluded to in the intro of the episode, there was the whole Camel Up, Camel Cup debacle from 2014. Now a new edition of Camel Up has been released. And so we know for sure that it's Camel Up. But what's funny to me is we've always known, like if you looked in the rule book of the original edition, it was always camel up. There was no C. <laughs> so I was very confused as to why some people online were like adamantly saying it was definitely camel cup. Because <laughs> it, if it's in the rule book one way and only one way, that seems kind of obvious to me. But it was just, a, it was funny to see people like getting very intense about the argument. <laughs> that shows that they don't read the rules. Ooh, yeah, maybe they didn't read the rules. <laughs> But yes, I think like the publisher and the designer were kind of wishy-washy about it online for a while, which is a little odd to me. It says up in the rule book. Why, why, is that, why isn't everybody just going, oh yeah, it's up. Well, it maybe, is now. Maybe they were thinking about changing the name to Cup. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because it is, so it's a, it's a race. So Cup makes sense. Yeah. But it's also about stacking the camels up on each other. So both of them made sense. And so yeah. people like to, uh, you know, take a side and whatever else, but. <laughs> It was amusing, if nothing else. Yeah. Some other things that can make for a a bad board game name, curse words, (laughs) which you'd think wouldn't happen, but apparently it does more often than it should. Same thing with like controversial words or subjects that are kind of taboo. I think after Cards Against Humanity's popularity kind of blossomed, I think a lot of smaller publishers kind of tried to hop onto that wagon and uh, create some less family-friendly games. And sometimes the names of those games reflected said lack of (laughs) family-friendliness. Yeah. Some other things that make them bad, uh, too long. Like sometimes you see a board game title and you're just like, wait, why is this 16 words long? (laughs) I don't want to have to do anything with that. You already mentioned names that are too vague or too generic, too hard to Google. Yeah, I think sometimes the best names are the ones that are evocative and definitely like grab your attention in some way. Mm-hmm. And I also like games that where the name kind of helps set your expectations for what the game is. 
or what it's about or what it, what the experience will be like. And I think that that's hard to do well for the record. Yeah, like, with just I, a name, that's hard. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's what, you know, kind of what, like what I do for a living, what marketing is, mm-hmm. is trying to convey a lot of valuable information in a very small amount of information, mm-hmm. like trying to convey something bigger than what you're actually using to convey it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the ultimate struggle. But it is when it's done right, I think a lot of people recognize it. And so it's really fulfilling. Yep. So we asked all the people in our survey, as well as people on Twitter, what uh, they think the best board game names are. So we've compiled that information into a list. And there were a few titles that showed up both in our survey and on Twitter. Twilight Imperium showed up a few times from people. So obviously people think that the, that Twilight name works uh, not just for Struggle, <laughs> but for Imperium as well. Do you think the word Twilight in and of itself is just a likable word? Um, not when you associate it with <laughs> the books, I think. I mean, right. <laughs> That's true. Oh, hey, you know what? It's good to know that the uh, Sparkly Vampire books have not ruined the word Twilight for everyone, <laughs> at least not board gamers. Blood Rage was also mentioned a number of times as a really good board game name. And that one makes sense to me. Like, it sounds intense and mm-hmm. cool and like, oh, like, I want to know what that's about, even if it's not something I'm necessarily into. Yeah. There was also Adrenaline, which I also think that's a good name. Uh, it gets your heart racing and it also is a mechanic in the game. <laughs> and then Flick em Up, which has the uh, mechanic of flicking in there and shows that it's a Western. Yeah, that so, takes the old stick them up phrase <laughs> yeah. that like, people are familiar with. That one, honestly, I think is probably one of the best. Yeah, it's, that shows everything about the game. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. Someone who responded to us on Twitter did give a shout out to excessive colon usage from Viva Java, (laughs) the coffee game, the dice game, (laughs) because it has two colons. And they did that intentionally. That was kind of a tongue in cheek uh, game name. And I like that one too. So bad that it's good. (laughs) Right? Like we know we're leaning into this thing right now. So we also asked the people who responded to our survey to give us the worst board game names. Uh, And as I said earlier, the game came in at our number one, (laughs) multiple people mentioning that. Some other games that got named as poorly named games. And again, this is not a reflection of the game being good or bad, just the name itself being good or bad. Um, Terror in Meeple City, Brass, Ethnos. That one I agree with. Ethnos, like... The, the graphic design of that game is weird. The name is weird. The gameplay is great. But like getting to that past all of the other stuff was kind of tough. What are some others from the list that you think are pretty good examples of bad names? Uh, one thing, The Ravens of Three Sahashri. That one's like hard to remember, but it was also a translation. And that was something we were thinking like translations from other languages can make a game bad sounding in English. And I was looking up like the Japanese game name of that and it was something like three kingdoms or three something and for some reason it translated into words that aren't words in english (laughs) but it makes sense more in japanese because it's like three rounds and the number three (laughs) so yeah but it's spelled t-h-r-i yeah when it when it translates to english they made it made up words for it that's so funny yeah so i know there's at least a couple of of board a couple probably a lot of board games in germany where the Mm -hmm. name is a pun 
And yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't translate all of the puns into English appropriately. Mm-hmm. Like you just, there's no way to translate some of them. Yeah. So you kind of lose it. Somebody in the survey did mention that 18XX is not a great name for a board game. And I will admit, I kind of agree. <laughs> like only because I think it makes the series of games less approachable. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that more from my own point of view than the general public. I don't know if this is the case for everybody. But before I knew you, uh, I had heard of 18xx games. And it just like weirdly like scared me because I didn't know what it was. And I felt silly asking. Mm-hmm. I have felt the same way uh, about coin games. So people yeah. talk about coin games, C-O-I-N. And it stands for counterinsurgency But then, like, I kind (laughs) of still don't even know what that means for sure. (laughs) Like, so, like, I think vernacular-wise, when we start referring to things like 18xx games as a genre, but then the names are also that, too, then it, like, makes it a little weird because I I, I hope our podcast has helped make 18xx games more (laughs) approachable. Like, I think you've done a really good job of helping explain what they are and getting more people introduced to them, so... Maybe we're, yeah. maybe we're just going to fix everything. <laughs> but yeah, that's the problem with like names of categories of things too. If you don't know what it is, then it's not very helpful. Like if someone doesn't know what a deck builder is, having Clank, a deck building cart or a deck building adventure game, is that what it's called? Um, yeah. Like they're like, what's deck building? <laughs> what does that mean? Things like coin and 18xx are just more niche than that. So. Right. Yeah. Also, 18xx games are in the difficult to Google thing because you can't just type in the name of the game because that comes up with a bunch of history stuff. You have to do the name and then board game. One of our survey respondents, Sarah Reed, who is a board game designer, she was talking about um, her game Oaxaca. And Oaxaca is a region in Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, And so they added a subtitle to the game Crafts of a Culture. But yeah, if you just search for Oaxaca, you're going to get information about the actual place Mm -hmm. rather than the game. So I think adding a subtitle in that instance is smart. But then how many people are going to remember that that subtitle exists? It's an interesting conundrum, I think. We honestly, we could probably talk for hours. I, or at least I could. So I, I think you all know, based on my love of words and etymology, like n- the names of things fascinate me. And maybe we can touch on this subject again at some point in the future. We would love to hear your all's opinions on board game names. I did write down a few of my favorite board game names that I just wanted to share super quick. Let's make a bus route because it just sounds like super cheerful and wonderful. And it also <laughs> describes what you do in the game. Uh, the Pursuit of Happiness which is pretty cool because you're it's the game of life, but for adults. And I think the pursuit of happiness kind of evokes that. Starving artists, which you're literally a starving artist in the <laughs> game. And that works out well. Uh, telestrations, which is illustrations played through a game of telephone. And role player, uh, because it's a pun. <laughs> you're not role playing, you're rolling dice to make a character, make a player. So... Uh, Those are some of my favorites, but I would love to hear some of yours. Please reach out to us on Twitter, post in the thread on BGG for this episode, or on comment on the post on Facebook for this episode, and let us know what your favorite board game name is. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Head over to Kickstarter right now to back their newest game, War of the Worlds, The New Wave. Gray Fox Games, quality games, cleverly crafted. 
If you're enjoying the show, you can rate and review us on your podcast provider or consider becoming a patron. For as little as $1 a month, you can unlock access to unedited episodes and our private Slack channel, which lets you chat with us and other Blitzketeers directly. Head to patreon.com slash boardgameblitz to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is a part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time. I've been to a meetup with some games with cool names. It felt good to play them with no shame. Bye, everyone. Bye. It's alliteration time, everybody. Uh, last episode, we asked you to re-theme a card game set in the French Revolution for Sherpas who are not innocent. What game was that, Ambie? That was Guilty Guides Guillotine. Yay! Congratulations <laughs> to those of you who guessed that one correct. This week, we are asking you to re-theme a game about escaping a singularity for very old lizards who are known for selling car insurance. <laughs> Good luck, everyone! <laughs>